I like to explain some of those dangers to people because it's hard when you're in the moment thinking, oh, I really want to lose 20 pounds and I'll do whatever I can to get there to lose sight of what that's going to mean for you in, in 10 years. Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. God, in his grace, showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you should know about me. I'm a minivan driving mom of four. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and the forthcoming book The Burden of Better. I'm a blogger at comparedtowho.me and you just may have seen my epic big fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoy today's episode and hey, tell a friend about it. Hey there, welcome to the Compare to You podcast and video version too. I'm Heather Creekmore. Thank you for watching today. I am really delighted to talk to my new friend, Alexandra McKillop. We are going to talk about diets, diet culture, all those things. Friends, she's an expert. Let me tell you a little bit about her. She is a food scientist. Okay, she's legit. <laughs> she's an author of a brand new book, which I'll tell you about too. And she's a functional medicine physician. Okay, she's a doctor, so she knows what she's talking about. Her passion lies in helping women care for their health, heal from patterns of dieting, ooh, right here, um, and embrace who God created them to be. She writes weekly blog posts about about all of these things on her blog. And I'll give you the links to that at the end of the show. And her brand new book is called Fulfilled. And I read it. It comes out really soon and you're going to love it. Alexandra, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. It's an honor and a pleasure. Okay. So I had the privilege of reading Fulfilled, your new book. I just loved it. It was so great. It was so spot on. And I have had a bit of a journey myself in terms of dieting and disordered eating. And that's what I talk about a lot on this show. But what I loved about your book was that you brought to the topic, your expertise, you know, what you're talking about, you know, how this dieting stuff, dieting culture actually affects our bodies. And I love that. But let's start at the beginning. Why do you do this? How'd you get it onto this topic? How'd you get in this whole crazy line of speaking out against diet culture? Tell me a little bit about your backstory. Yeah. So I um, do what I do now very much because of my own personal experience with disordered eating and an eating disorder um, in high school is when it started. I was very involved in sports and I actually made a couple of varsity teams as a young, like as a freshman. And I was young for my grade as well. So I was this young person surrounded by athletes who were developmentally, physically a lot ahead of me and they were better than I was. And I, you know, kind of wanted to measure up to my, my colleagues, I guess, as you would call it. And so I thought if I just train harder and I do 
all this outside work, I'm going to be able to be on their level, which I mean, sure. Yes. There's something to be said for training, but um, I think I was hoping to get myself a leg up through manipulating my body as well through looking at nutrition and just kind of clinging to some things very, very tightly for a sense of control and being in high school, you know, there's a lot of extra academic demands and social things. Like some of my friends moved away and those things felt very out of my control as well. And so the more that I invested myself in sports and trying to work on this nutrition thing that I had become interested in, the more it actually started becoming something that was controlling me. And as a young teenager, as many, many do, I had those body image struggles as well. And being in a sport where there are many thin people, it was cross country running. It just kind of heightened that, you know, there is this this idea if you're slimmer and smaller, you're going to be faster. And, but that's not true if you're not feeding your body. And so I started to learn that the hard way, just falling into that pattern of disordered eating and ultimately reaching the point of anorexia and having to recover from that. But I would say honestly that my struggles intensified when I went to college, I stopped doing the competitive running and then trying to adapt to like a new city and trying to make new friends, the additional academic burdens that you find in college just kind of sent me to a tailspin. And I actually started gaining weight, which put made me feel even more out of control in my body. I thought I was doing all the same things that I should to control my body and it wasn't working now. And um, that just kind of led to this cycle of guilt and shame and feeling so um, disconnected from who I was and what my purpose in life was. As I finally reached a point of recovery, you know, over the course of a couple years and getting help myself and doing some deep soul searching with myself and with God and in prayer, I realized just this 180 viewpoint was necessary in order to have a life. You know, if I'm all, if all I care about is being smaller and I'm putting all of my effort into first, I need to lose weight. I'm missing out on the abundance of life that God has for me. And since then I've discipled myself and I have come to realize very much that God doesn't want us to be so preoccupied with these things. He didn't design the role of food to be so consuming. And he actually invites us into freedom very much in the sense of with food, you know, eat and drink and taste and see that the Lord is good, that he provides us with gift. And so I just grew this passion, I guess, for sharing that message because I wasn't seeing it in the world around me. And the more women I spoke with, the more I saw that it was something that needed to be talked about. Absolutely. I love that so much. It was, I think it was last fall. I just one day had this realization that I have spent most of my life trying not to eat and how ridiculous that is, right? I mean, I've, I've been on this recovery journey for about 10 years from disordered eating. And and I love how you said eating disorder and disordered eating, because I know you mean two different things. And I think it covers most of us. Will you go ahead and flesh that out? What do you, what do you mean when you say eating disorder? And then what do you mean when you say disordered eating? Yeah. So I would say that there's very much a spectrum, um, which would start with dieting and end at, uh, clinical eating disorder where someone might be in the hospital or really in intensive care. So that's when we typically think about anorexia, bulimia, binge eating disorder. But over time, um, the medical system has come to recognize that there's a lot more people that fall into this place where their relationship to food and their bodies and to exercise is negatively impacting their ability to live their lives and to be healthy and vibrant and contribute to society, even if they don't fall into these kind of strict guidelines that had been boxed out for what an eating disorder is. And so I would say that probably most women fall into this disordered eating spectrum where you look to food to fulfill a need in your life that maybe it wasn't righteously designed to fulfill. You're looking for a way to manipulate the size and shape of your body. You force for meals to look a certain way, even if maybe that's not what your body is telling you to do. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for explaining that. Cause I think those terms get thrown around a lot. 
Um, and I think, mm-hmm. you know, I deal with a lot of women that are like, oh yeah, no, I don't have any eating disorder stuff, but they are consumed with what's on their plate at every meal and how many calories they had and all of those things. So I appreciate you clarifying that. So yeah, like I was saying, like last fall, it just hit me. I was like, wow, how crazy is it that most of my life has been spent trying not to eat? That that is our default, that somehow this weird diet culture has taken us to a place where the that's the standard. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just so contrary of the way God made our bodies and like we need to eat. Like you were saying, like if you're going to be a runner, you need to eat. But beyond that, <laughs> like you need to eat to function, to think, to have normal body processes. So flesh that out for me. Why is diet culture, or shall I say, how is diet culture hurting this very basic sensibility we should all have? Like what is diet culture doing to us? Yeah. So I think especially as women, we kind of, um, as you mentioned, you spent so much time trying to become smaller and lose weight. Like it's almost like we're fed this rhetoric that we don't deserve to be here and take up space Mm -hmm. um, or that the role that God has for us in life isn't important and that we need to just be looking to our bodies as ultimate, kind of putting our identity in that if we can choose our own beauty, so to speak, with enough willpower, then we can earn our value and our worth and our right to be here. And that is so backwards from what we see as truth in the gospel. It's so completely, um, really wayward. I'd say it's a lie that the enemy is feeding us about who we are and what our value is. And from a physiological standpoint as well, you know, the more that we try to control and and shrink ourselves, the more we're actually harming our health. So I find that there's this sense of irony that very much right now, the media talks about dieting as like a good thing because it's Mm. pro health. And, you know, you can have a diet for whatever kind of ailment you come across, but oftentimes those end up actually physiologically harming us. And it's a paradox, right? You know, you're Mm. trying to do one thing and you're creating the opposite outcome. Right. Well, it's like, it's the definite, it's how are you going to define health? And I mean, I, I saw an Instagram post the other day by someone who has been doing a diet that does not actually give you enough calories every day to exercise. They say you cannot exercise because you're getting so few calories every day, but she's lost a lot of weight, which of course happens if you restrict your calories significantly, but not in a good way. And her post was all about how she's found health and how healthy she is at this smaller size. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's culturally accepted. How do we redefine health in a way that is actually, I think, not only like biblical, but also just like you're a doctor, <laughs> like what real health is. Cause real health isn't just being, being a certain size for a month until your body says I need to eat again. Talk to me about that. Yes. Yes. So I would define health as the state when all the systems of your body are functioning as they should. So you don't have anything dysfunctional going on and you don't have any symptoms. Now, th- both of those need to be true because as we know, we can have an underlying health process without knowing about it because we don't have symptoms. So like cardiovascular disease, sometimes it's kind of like a sudden, oh no, I didn't know what was going on. And, and we can monitor that with blood work and physical exam and going to your doctor for preventative care. And with dieting, for example, you know, we often look at weight as a measure of health when really weight is just an outcome. It is, it's not something you do. It's something that just kind of is, it's a descriptor, right? And so from a health at every size, perspective, which is how I operate in medicine. We look at not, you know, what is the status of your, your height and your, your weight and your 
hip circumference, et cetera. It's, you know, what are the behaviors that you're doing that are influencing the biochemical state of your body? So we can measure your organ function with your blood work and what are you doing and how does that influence those markers? So if you are crash dieting and you suddenly lose weight, many people would think that's a good thing, but you have to think about, you know, what is the weight that I'm losing, right? So maybe you're losing some body fat, but muscle tissue, including your heart muscle or the tone of your blood vessels, those are all things that you don't want to negatively affect. You don't want to detract from the muscle content of that because then your heart gets weak and then you're more prone to cardiovascular disease. Or when you um, lose weight rapidly, you oftentimes will regain it in a different form. Um, And so that can lead to changes in your cholesterol or other biomarkers that we want to monitor in a, you know, we want them within a certain frame. And so dieting actually can have a very negative effect on some of those biomarkers. And many times people will have this idea, you know, I made these changes and I lost weight. So that has to be a good thing. Right. And it could be, you know, but we have to look at what your behaviors were, right? But weight loss isn't a behavior, it's an outcome. So if you don't exercise at all and you start exercising in a healthy way and you lose weight, that was a healthy behavior. The weight loss is really insignificant. It's just a thing that happened, right? And so I don't like to track weight as a measure of health because it's not, it's just a thing that's happening. Um, It's valuable. You know, if someone's going through chemo and they're losing a lot of weight and we need to focus on how do we sustain you? Or if you suddenly gain 20 pounds in a week, like that's probably water weight, which means your heart and your kidneys are having a problem. So that's where the value of weight comes is in very significant pathology. But for the average person, it's actually more harmful to focus on weight as, as an outcome when um, doing so can create more problems in and of itself. Right. And so can you even further elaborate on what happens to those of us who spend 20 years on diet, who are going on again, off again, on again, off again, what, what actually is happening to our bodies? Tired of comparing yourself to others? It's time to break free, my friend. Check out compare2who.me online and you'll find a ton of great resources, blog posts, videos, and so much more to help you stop comparing and start living. And make sure you sign up for my exclusive email list while you're there. I send my email friends things I don't send anyone else. You can also find out more about my brand new book, The Burden of Better, How a Comparison-Free Life Leads to Joy, peace, and rest. If you're tired of battling comparison, friend, I wrote this book just for you. Check it out right after this episode, of course. Yes. So when that, when you yo-yo diet, so losing weight and then gaining it rapidly again, manipulating the type of food you eat, it creates a stress response in your body. So we have an, um, a communication between our brains, our thyroid, gland, which is in your neck, which produces hormones that regulate your metabolism, your adrenal glands, which are in your abdomen, and they produce stress hormones, and then your sex organs. So for women, it would be ovaries, which estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, things like that. And all of those hormones work together to regulate everything from your body temperature to the amount of calories that you need in order to sustain, you know, yourself, um, your heart rate, your blood pressure, uh, the amount of body fat that you have, um, the degree to which your blood gets out and to the, the very distant parts of your body. And all of those things are very delicately integrated with each other. Now, when you suddenly go into a period of caloric deprivation or restriction, everything in your body reacts to that. Um, it sees it as a stress response. Biologically, it's understood to be a threat because if you think about the days before we had nutrition textbooks and bikini ready 
initiatives, um, absence of food was biologically a bad thing and it wasn't helpful to have that happen. So your body would try to react and conserve energy and shut off processes that aren't necessary for survival so that you can survive. So it's not as wasteful. So an example of that, you know, the reproductive system isn't necessarily required for you to make it to next week. Um, In terms of our species, it's required to make it to the next century. But um, for you in that given moment, you know, if you're wasting energy and resources on the potential to reproduce, that's not great. So we're going to shut that system off, or we're going to slow down your metabolism and change the way that you interact with food on a biological level, biochemically speaking. And many of those changes that happen in response to dieting, they don't necessarily come back right away or maybe at all. And so we can actually create a lasting deficit in our metabolism or our stress response. And if we're in that heightened stress response phase, which takes place during a period of calorie deprivation, you know, that taxes your heart. It changes the way you metabolize glucose. So that can set you up for pre-diabetes or even metabolic syndrome and some of these things that we try to avoid. So it's actually very negative to be weight cycling like that. And then when you react to your diet, you fall off the bandwagon because it's not sustainable and you gain back the weight, oftentimes by overdoing it with the foods that you weren't allowed to eat on your diet, usually snacks and sweets. Then you have other foods in a disproportionate amount coming into your body. So maybe vegetables aren't as frequent in your meals for a time because you're trying to get all the cake you can because you couldn't have it for however long. And that's not really good for you either because large loads of sugar can tax your digestive system as well. Now, I don't want to say that if you have gone through a period of dieting that you're permanently damaged and you have to throw in the towel, nothing is going to get better because it definitely can and it will. And and today is the best day I can think of to start making some changes. But I just, I like to explain some of those dangers to people because it's hard when you're in the moment thinking, oh, I really want to lose 20 pounds and I'll do whatever I can to get there to lose sight of what that's going to mean for you in, in 10 years. Right. It becomes the most important thing. It becomes what consumes you. And I mean, I just think about how many women I know that have started with thyroid issues when I started at 40 or, or even earlier than that. I I feel like that's new. I feel like women didn't have thyroid issues that early, or at least we didn't know about it until recently. And all the infertility issues that, you know, that seems to be so much more common now adrenal issues. I mean, that (laughs) I, I used to teach so many fitness classes and work out way too hard and then not eat enough calories. And my adrenal system just went kaput a couple years ago, where I was like, I just had to stop everything. And, And so all of these things are popping up everywhere. And, and it's interesting. I mean, diet culture, I guess, has only been around since like the 1980s is kind of when I tracked it to maybe late seventies. Um, and it's interesting to see how I think there's repercussions that we don't even fully see yet as a culture of, of all this dieting. So I appreciate you enlightening us on that. So tell us about your practice. What do you do? How do you help women in your functional medicine practice who are struggling with food issues? Yeah. So from a functional medicine perspective, um, I would say that the role of the provider is to help my patient get back to the point where their body is functioning as it was designed to. So we want not only you to be absent of disease, but we want things to be not trending in that direction either. And so many times patients will come in with, you know, a, a spattering of symptoms like fatigue or digestive problems or, you know, anxiety. Mental health is actually a common thing that will bring someone in. And we talk through like a whole systems approach. Like how do you eat and exercise? How do you sleep? What's your stress like? What do you, um, what do you do for your work? What types of 
you know, environmental exposures might you have potentially to toxins? Like, have you had a history of infections? All these sorts of questions. And then we do a physical exam and blood work. And many times there are markers on blood work that come back that indicate that a patient maybe isn't eating enough or are not eating in a stable way. So that would be um, indicators like on your your blood sugar control. So if it seems like your blood sugar goes up and down all the time, or it seems like it's high often because you maybe don't pair protein with your carbohydrate intake, um, which is something that often happens after a period of dieting. Um, or there can be other markers like your cholesterol can be a little bit off or oftentimes it's too low for many women who diet. Um, thyroid markers can be off. And so I talk through like, okay, um, you know, you shared with me how you're eating. And at that point I would often dig a little bit deeper, you know, what's your approach to food? Like, how do you, would you say your relationship to food is? Do you ever find that you're eating past the point of fullness or skipping meals intentionally? Um, are you okay with your weight? Uh, there's actually a question that's from an eating disorder screening tool that is clinically validated for, for use by primary care providers to identify risk behavior in their patients. And it's how okay are you with gaining two pounds? And you'd be surprised by the, the wide variety of answers. So, might give to that. And, you know, from my perspective, I know that overnight your weight can change five pounds from water and salt and whether or not you exercised or, you know, all these sorts of things. And for someone to say that I, I would, it would ruin everything. I would be shattered. It would, it would be such a burden to me. That's such a huge flag because that tells me that even if they say that they're eating in a healthful way, I know that their heart about their relationship to their body and their relationship to food could use some TLC. And so while my role primarily in my functional medicine practice is to look at the physiology, um, I very much take on that counseling role and invite those conversations and just start planting seeds so that I can refer someone for, you know, working with a dietitian or a therapist um, to address some of those root cause issues, which oftentimes eating disorders cause symptoms like fatigue and insomnia, anxiety, depression, mm -hmm. digestive problems, all those things that might send someone to a functional medicine doctor. Separately from that, I do do some very part-time coaching from a faith-based perspective, um, just because I find that addressing the spiritual component of that is important and there aren't always good resources. So, but that's more of a separate, separate thing from my functional medicine practice. Awesome. So most of us know diets don't work. Everyone's seen the data. It's like what 98% of diets fail. And yet probably I'm going to go out on a limb and say 70% of the women listening or watching today have probably tried a diet within the last four months, or maybe a diet that has been billed as not a diet like intermittent fasting or keto or something like that. Um, or they're trying a lifestyle, but it's really a diet because it's not a lifestyle. You can you know, we, we use all these different semantics to fool ourselves. <laughs> I, I, and I can say this as someone who's done it. So I'm not, there's no shame, no blame, no condemnation in all this. I'm just like, I know this is the things I've done. And I have a feeling that if you're listening or watching today, you've probably done the same things too. Try to convince yourself that this is your new way of life. So Alexandra, we know they don't work. Why do we keep going back? Well, uh, there's a lot of reasons for that. I, um, I think it's probably different for every person, but a couple ones that I could think of right off the bat. One would be, I think we like rules. Um, they make us feel safe. And if we can control our food, um, as was my experience, it make, it's like a, a faulty coping mechanism for when other things in life feel a little bit out of control. Um, another one would be that we place our identity in our bodies. And we think that this is determinant of 
what is within it. Um, but I love the scripture that says that we are holy vessels and indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And so that's just a good reminder to me that what's on the outside is just there to contain um, the Holy Spirit that is dwelling within me. And I think that very much ties into that language that oftentimes we use about diets. Oh, it's a lifestyle. Well, we zoom out for a moment and say, do I really want my whole life to be revolved around what I do or don't eat? Or do I have bigger purposes? Does God have more for me? This Holy Spirit that's within me has more for my life. And so I think that can be helpful when you fall into that feeling that nothing will get better unless I lose that five pounds, um, because it really can feel that way. It feels so urgent. So I think identity is a big one, um, as well as a sense of belonging. A lot of times among women, our conversations focus on dieting. We feel understood by each other. If you say, oh, you know, I'm trying to lose weight. Oh, me too. Oh, I did this. Oh, I tried this and it did or didn't work. But you feel understood on this level. It's like this mutual suffering that we all share. Um, But how how, I always wonder how different would our relationships be if we connected on the real heart issues instead of some of those superficial things um, where we actually need prayer and support and love, not in accountability to lose five pounds or to count carbs or something. Um, And the last one that I would say is, dieting for beauty. So I don't need to condemn the pursuit of beauty. I think we all want to adorn ourselves in a way that's honoring to the God who made us. But I think we have a misguided understanding of what it means to be beautiful. I like to remember that God designed each of us beautifully and we can live within that uniqueness. You know, very few of us will condemn our hair color, our eye color, or our shoe size. Those are things that are just kind of genetically determined. And yet we cling so much to the size and shape of our bodies in other ways. And so remembering just that beauty is diverse. And I think some of the cultural conversations that are happening now are actually very helpful in this regard of self-acceptance and acceptance of the fact that my body isn't everything about me can be very helpful. Hey there, how much is freedom worth to you? That's kind of an odd question, right? When I was in the midst of my struggle with disordered eating and body image, I would have paid anything I had to be free. Truth is, I spent a lot of my budget on things I thought could help me be free, like new diets, exercise gizmos, clothing, but none of those things really helped. I'm so grateful that God showed me the way out. And now I'm passionate about helping others find their way out too. I want them to know that Jesus already paid it all. They don't have to spend another cent to find the freedom they really desire. But truth is, it does cost me something to get this message out, compared to who can't spread the message of Jesus' offer of freedom without the help of women like you. Would you consider making a contribution? Check out Compared to Who's Patreon page at patreon.com slash compared to who. Then prayerfully consider giving $1 or $5 a month, whatever you can to help. Any amount you'd be willing to donate would be a huge blessing and will go directly towards covering the operating expenses of this ministry. Thank you for being a part of seeing other women set free from the chains of body image and comparison. May God bless your generosity. thinking I've, I've coached a number of women who like one of their biggest triggers or challenges coming out of coaching is just being around other women who are constantly talking about dieting and how dieting was my drug is what I like to say. I mean, I, I could get a high from following all the rules and losing a couple pounds and ooh, that felt real good. And, and, and so to hear other people talk about like, ooh, I did this and I lost this weight. It's like, ooh, maybe I want to try it. You know, can I, can I have a taste of that drug? And so I know that's a challenge because it's just, that's the way we communicate. And I think you're exactly right. Boy, if we could, we could change the conversation there. 
how much more meaningful would our relationships be? I think that would, that would be really neat to see. So you have a brand new book coming out and it comes out. It's March now. <laughs> it comes out this month, correct? March 2nd. March 2nd. Okay. <laughs> and so I, that mm-hmm. should be tomorrow. I think if you're listening on release day, uh, tell me about, well, I read the book. So tell everyone listening <laughs> about, about the book. What can we expect? Yeah. So I actually have a copy. This is what it looks Wonderful. like for this up here is that I think it's advanced <laughs> reading copy. So the book is about intuitive eating, which is a framework for eating that focuses on listening to your body um, rather than looking to a diet plan to inform how you make food choices. So um, ultimately the book gives you permission to eat cookies at, according to your cravings, but also teaches you how to do so in a way that's going to help you to continue to feel good um, because nobody feels good when they eat 12 cookies right in a row. <laughs> and so Really what I get into is these concepts of letting go of shame about your body or your food choices or exercise or your past, um, embracing your body as it is now, learning to become an ally with it so that you don't fear change in your body. You don't fear your hunger signals. You don't fear maybe even eating a little bit past fullness. Um, and instead learning how to cope with those things or how to use them to inform future food choices and then learning how to eat the food that you love. So not feeling restricted, like you need to just eat raw vegetables all the time or cancel carbs or something like that. It's learning how to eat food in the way that God designed. And very much in this book, there's a spiritual component that looks at scripture and incorporates the truth of the gospel and the truth of God's original design for humanity and for women um, and for the role of food in our lives. And it um, pairs that together into very practical ways that if you are struggling with your relationship with food or your body, you can start making changes in that arena. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I love, if you're watching or listening, I loved this book. I highly recommend it. I don't recommend every book, but I recommend this book. (laughs) So go grab your copy today. You're going to want to read it because it's just going to reinforce to you. I think what you probably already know, or your heart's been telling you that the next diet's not the answer, but it is the question is always then what do I do if I'm not on a diet? what do I do? And, and you very gently go through the process of what it means to start listening to your body again and try intuitive eating and, and all the things. And you're also fun to follow on Instagram because because you share lots of fun little reminders that potato chips aren't bad. (laughs) Things like that. But some of us, there's just so many food rules that we have been programmed to believe and accept it. And I mean, it affects every part of a vocabulary or vernacular, you know, there's bad foods, there's good foods. There's, I was bad for doing this. I, you know, I was good today. So I deserve this and all those things that just, we need to be reprogrammed. And you do a really good job in your book of talking about really having a healthy relationship with food. So I really appreciated it. Well, Alexandra, tell us where we can connect with you. Tell everyone where they can follow you and find your book. Yes. So I write um, right now it's uh, twice a week blog post at alexandramckillop.com. Um, my book is available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, IndieBound, uh, my publisher's website, which is Broadleaf Books, or you can just go to alexandramckillop.com slash fulfilled. And then as you mentioned, I post on Instagram pretty regularly, Alexandra C. McKillop. Um, C is for like cat or for Christine, which is my middle name, but (laughs) people forget the C. So yeah, that's where you can find me. Um, I guess I have a Twitter account, but I really only use it to post on Instagram. So I get it. If you want to follow me there. (laughs) I know I I have a Twitter account too, and it's, it's stale. (laughs) So (laughs) 
I totally get that. And I'll put all those links to where people can connect to you in the show notes. So, um, so they can find you easily and find your tremendous book. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today and for teaching us. I appreciate it. Yeah, I loved it. It was a wonderful opportunity and it's great talking to you. Good to talk to you too. And thank you for listening. I hope something in today's episode has helped you stop comparing and start living. (laughs) Bye-bye. Looking for ways to stay positive? Brighten your day with the free Story Behind podcast. Hear weekly short stories that showcase true joy, love, and hope. Listen now at lifeaudio.com or by searching for Story Behind wherever you get your podcasts.